0: Well, hey, everybody. Uh, today, we are going to shift gears a bit. Uh, it was around spring break when everything happened with the coronavirus and things went into lockdown. And so uh, what we were doing, we were in Second Corinthians going through that. But then after everything happened, it seemed good to take a, a step back from Second Corinthians and to um, really consider our situation in light of what the Bible has to say to us about this uh, time and place that we're in uh, dealing with the the virus. Uh, and so then we had Easter, and now here we are the week after Easter, and we're going back to, uh, well, I guess we're going to proceed with what is now just a new normal. We're doing these videos, and we're going to just uh, pick up where we left off in 2 Corinthians. So we'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, in 1932, uh, a young unmarried woman had a baby boy who she gave up for adoption. Uh, and this boy would never uh, meet his birth mother, uh, but he would go on to be a millionaire. And, and with all his money that he made, he started a foundation uh, that, was, uh, to, uh, to, that was for the cause of uh, adoption. That was supporting um, adoption. Now, this is the story of a guy that you probably know about. His name is Dave Thomas. He's the founder of Wendy's. And so it's obvious what motivated Dave Thomas uh, to be such an advocate for adoption It's because he he was adopted himself and saw all the benefit and the good of it. And, and to me, it's always interesting whenever somebody uh, is doing something uh, special or unique or they're passionate about something to, to learn what made them like that, like what brought them to that point. Sometimes it might be a uh, something from child- their their childhood or experience they went through, or it might be unique to their their time and place and where they they lived but usually uh when someone has a passion or when somebody uh is is doing something unique there's often a story behind it or or a reason why they're like that uh and even with with where people live in, in the world like in in our part of the world, people are really into uh college football we live in a college town and in america it's it's kind of like there's football. Baseball and basketball are kind of the big three. And soccer is kind of down the list a bit. But in other parts of the world, soccer is number one. Uh, and those things are, are distant second and third and, and fourth. And so to me, it's just interesting when you think about people and places and cultures and what's important, what people are passionate about, what they love and what they might not be interested in. It's interesting to me uh, why they might be like that. And so with Christianity... You have a people that expand uh, or, or, or go through time and place. Uh, it's it's all over the globe, and it has been around uh, through different times and eras. And so you, you you will struggle to paint Christianity with it with a broad brush because it's made up of different peoples and, and cultures and times and all that. But there are some things that uh, that Christians are marked by. Throughout time, no matter where Christians might have lived, no matter what the time period was or the place or what was happening or where they were, some things mark Christians in all times and in all places. And so today, I want to consider one of those things that mark Christians from all times and all places, no matter where they are. And one of these, this thing that marks Christians from all times and all places is generosity. All Christians throughout time, and no matter where they were, have been a generous people. You know, of course, there's the exceptions of, of those who might have been less faithful, but generally speaking, Christians have been a generous people. And now that might not be a, a new idea that Christians have been generous and that they should be generous. But what I want to consider today is, is the why behind that. Why are Christians generous or why should Christians be generous? generous. And and in the passage we're going to look at today, I see at least seven reasons that Christians are motivated to be generous. And I want to consider each one briefly. So I have seven points. Uh, I'll I'll go about the normal time. Uh, I'm just going to go briefly through each one. But my first point or the first reason that Christians are motivated to be generous is this. The first reason, the grace of God. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1 through 4. It says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So, so the Macedonians had given towards the relief of the saints. And this was evidence of God's grace among them. Now, you, you might think about this being God's grace among them, and they're responding to God's grace. And you might think, well, the Macedonians, they, they knew God's grace in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for their sins. And out of gratitude for that, they, they were eager to give. Now, that, that, that might be true, and I'll get to that later, but I don't think that's what Paul's talking about when he's speaking about the grace of God right here. I think what Paul's talking about right here when he's talking about the grace of God among them, I think the grace of God is their motivation to give. The grace that he's given the Macedonians is the motivation to give to the relief of the saints, and it's and it's interesting. So so Paul's interacting, or he's talking about the Macedonians in his interaction there. And what we know, we know the Macedonians gave Paul money. They 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 gave Paul financial support to help people. Now, if I were to tell you in this interaction between Paul and the Macedonians, Paul was raising financial support from the Macedonians to give to the saints who needed relief, and I told you there was begging involved, then you would assume that Paul was begging the Macedonians, saying, Macedonians, please, come on, you got to help out. This is a big deal. Kind of a big rah-rah fundraiser type thing, right? But that's not that, what was happening here. Look at verse 4. The Macedonians were, quote, begging him earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. The Macedonians were begging Paul that they could take part in the relief of the saints. They were eager to do that. And what I'm saying is that that's the grace of God in them, is that motivation where they would beg Paul to let them take part in the relief of the saints. And now, even to highlight the idea that this is the grace of God, I, I want to I share a, a verse in the, uh, in the Bible that seems like it shouldn't be a verse in the Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 19 says this, Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Other translations say money is the answer to everything. It's kind of an odd verse, right? Money is the answer to everything. You wouldn't you wouldn't expect to see that in the Bible. Now, in some way, uh, Ecclesiastes is is in the um, uh, is a different genre. It's, it's, it's poetry, and so you you interpret that differently. But here's what it's saying at a, at, a, at a at a minimum level: that money helps out a lot. Money can make some problems go away. Money can provide some comforts, some security, money can get you things that will be fun, that will be enjoyable. And and that's why the Bible warns against the the love of money, because it's kind of awesome. It can solve problems and it can provide nice things, enjoyable things that that, that you uh, will, in fact, enjoy if, if and when you purchase those things. And because money can do so much for you, that's why we're drawn to it. That's why we're warned against the love of money. And that's why it's evidence of the grace of God in a person when they're giving it away. Because money can do a lot of things. It can solve problems. It can provide a lot of uh, enjoyment. But when we give it away, there's an evidence of the grace of God. And especially for the Macedonians who were begging Paul that they could give away their money. So the first reason that Christians are motivated to give is because of the grace of God in their life. God puts that motivation in their heart to give. The second reason uh, these Macedonians were or or Christians could be motivated to give. Let's read uh, chapter eight, verse two. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So there's a formula here we're looking at in verse two with the Macedonians and, and it led to their strong impulse to give. Here's the formula: Three things that led to an overflow of a wealth of generosity. Here are the three things. One, a severe test of affliction. Two, an abundance of joy. And three, extreme poverty. So a severe test of affliction, an abundance of joy, well, that makes more sense, and extreme poverty. Seems odd. It, it seems to me that, that, that them being in a severe test of affliction and extreme poverty would, would lessen their impulse to give, not increase their impulse to give. But what we're looking at here, it did increase. The, the, the test of affliction and extreme poverty, it did increase their impulse to give. Why? Why did that make them want to give more? Why might they, why, why might they be more generous than someone who is living the good life and financially prosperous? Well, Psychology Today had an article titled, Why People Who Have Less Give More. And and here's the conclusion that the author came to. He says, why do those who have less give more? Part of the reason lies in the fact that they are more compassionate and more sensitive to the need of others. Psychologists refer to their way of thinking as contextualist tendency, marked by an external focus on what is going on in their environment with other people, on the other hand, those who have those who have more tend to be self-centered, with a solipsistic—that means the self is all that there is—tendencies that are concentrated on their own internal states, goals, motivations, and emotions. So, so, th- so the Bible and psych- psychology today agree here: having more can actually be an obstacle. To you being more generous. And having less and suffering can increase your compassion, which will make you more generous. So, so the Macedonians being in, in a severe test of affliction and extreme poverty is what you might expect from people who would beg for the opportunity to be generous, to take part in the relief of others. And that might explain why they did it in an abundance. Of joy. My third point, the third reason there Christians are motivated to to be generous. The third, meeting needs. Look at uh, uh, chapter 8, verse 4. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. For those of you who have read Acts, you might remember in Acts chapter 11, a prophet named Agabus told about a famine that was to come, and it did come. And, and, and in there you read in Acts 11 that, this, that the disciples determined to send relief to the saints in Judea. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 3, we see Paul talking about having a collection for the believers there that were in need. And this is what the Christians are doing during this time. And so throughout all time, all Christians, in, in, whether, wherever, wherever the region was or whatever, have had a strong impulse to meet real needs. In, in Titus three fourteen, Paul writes, "And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of uh, of urgent need, and not be unfruitful." So Christians are motivated by meeting needs, and we don't just do it because we're commanded to do so. Though that could be enough, meeting needs is just what we do. It's it's who we are. Now, the fourth reason, is Jesus is Lord. Look at verse five. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So one reason they were so generous is that they'd already given themselves to the Lord. That they already they didn't view their money as their money. They view it as the Lord's money, and they were just kind of managers of it. So so let me ask you, how how do you view your money? Do, do you have a sense that it is Yours and it's kind of your your autonomous, or do you have a sense that you are a manager of God's money? You know a, a good thermometer of 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 your giving yourself away to the Lord could be how you look at your money. Is it the Lord's or or is it yours? As Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Reason number five, the gospel. Look at verse nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty we might become rich. So when what Jesus has done for you in the gospel and giving himself away, when that begins to sink deep down into your heart and your mind, then it will change you and it will give you an impulse to be generous, to be giving in the same way that Dave Thomas was motivated to to, to help out with adoption because he had been adopted. He'd been blessed in that. And so the same thing is true of us. Robert Murray McShane was a Scottish minister Uh, from the 1800s, and and he preached a sermon on giving uh, once, And, and here's what he said. I want to read it to you. He said, do you know the grace of Christ? Oh, my dear friends, if you would be like Christ, and you pray that you will be, become like him in giving. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. Objection. My money is my own. Answer. Christ might have said, my blood is my own. My life is my own. And then where would you be? Objection. But many people in need are undeserving. Answer. Christ might have looked at you and said, look at these wicked rebels. Should I lay down my life for these? No, I will give to the good angels and the deserving poor. But no, he left the 99 sheep and came after the lost. He gave his blood to the undeserving objection. But people who I give my money to might abuse it. Answer. Christ might have said the same thing with far greater truth. Christ knew thousands would trample his blood under their feet, that most would despise it, that many would make his blood an excuse for sinning, and yet he gave his own blood. My dear Christians, if you want to be like Christ, give much, give often, give freely, even to the vile and the undeserving. Christ is glorious and happy, and so shall you be. It's not your money I want, it's your happiness. Remember his own word. It is more blessed, it is more happy to give than to receive. So the gospel motivates Christians to be generous. Number six, self-interest. Look at verse 10. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. Paul tells the Corinthians that, th- that their giving will benefit them. Now He says something similar in Philippians 4. In the Philippians 4, he's taking the Philippians for um, uh, helping him out in his ministry, for uh, financially supporting the, the work of the gospel going out. And then he says this in Philippians 4, 17, he says this, and, and speaking about them, them supporting him financially and helping him out, he says in four seventeen, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He is saying that, that their gift to him increases their credit. What does that mean? I think you can at least make some sense of it if you lay it up next to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Matthew 6, 19 and 20 says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So when we are giving, We are storing up treasure in heaven. Whatever treasure we have now will go away. Whatever we store up in heaven will never go away. So it is to our benefit, it is for our own self-interest, that we would increase our credit in heaven, so to speak. Now, the seventh reason, fairness. Look at verse uh, 13 to 15. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. So verse 15 is a reference to Exodus 16. This is a story about uh, God providing uh, the, the bread from heaven the, the the manna that would come out of the ground for the people of Israel when they were going in between Egypt and the promised land and the idea was that that whoever had that everyone was taken care of there there was no lack people who needed it a lot got a lot people who did, didn't need much got what they needed and there was there was fairness and so so in the church among God's people there should be fairness those who are hurting and going without should be helped. And those who are in abundance should be looking to help those who need help. And, and there's a little nuance I want to add to this because th- this doesn't open the door to people coming into the church to be um, to be a freeloader. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul said, if, if anyone is, is not willing to work, then neither will he eat. And now that doesn't mean that anyone who's unemployed Shouldn't, shouldn't be helped out or supported, it means those who are unwilling to work should go without if they're not willing to do their part. Galatians 6.2 tells us to bear one another's burden, but then Galatians 6.5 says that we are to bear our own load. So that means at some point, someone is burdened beyond just their own load. It's more than they can bear by themselves. And that's when the church is supposed to come in and to help so there could be fairness. They come in and joyfully take their abundance to provide where there is need. So, so those are the seven things that motivate Christians to be generous. It's the grace of God, number one. Two, affliction and poverty. Three, meeting needs. Four, Jesus is Lord, five, the gospel, six, self-interest, and seven, fairness. And I think all seven motivations could be summed up into, into one motivation, though. Christians should be generous because it makes them happy. I think you can sum them all up and just say that Christians should be generous because it makes them happy. The, the, the grace, God's grace of giving needs an outlet. When God puts that motivation into a heart, it needs an outlet. They will be happy to give. Those who have gone through poverty and affliction are more compassionate. And when they see people who they can help, where they can bring relief, they will have an abundance of joy in giving that relief. And meeting needs is what we're made to do. It's part of our purpose and calling as Christians. Christians. And many of you know the unsettling feeling of being unhelpful. Maybe somebody you know has gone through something they're in a trial and you are just unsettled because you don't know how to help, but you're so eager to. And you would be so happy to be able to meet a need in some way, in any way. So we want to give ourselves to the Lord. Jesus is Lord. We want to demonstrate that to him. And, and it gives us an outlet to be generous to others to do that. And in the gospel, Jesus was extravagantly gracious to us, and we want to imitate his generosity to others, like Dave Thomas wanted to support adoption because he was adopted. And we want to we give because it increases our credit in heaven for eternal reward. And lastly, for fairness. We don't want anyone to be in need when there is an abundance. Now, it might sound crazy that, that I would say Christians should give in order to be happy. But but consider this. What if I gave you $500 and you could you could spend it however or, just, or save it? You put, you put it in savings, have a little cushion that's nice, or, in, or you buy something. Maybe you get some clothes or you've had something you've had an eye on, something on your wish list, and you go and get that. Maybe you get something that's $700 that you were not spend $700, but you won't spend $200 on. And so you get that. And, and I'd imagine there'd be a, a measure of joy you, you get something you need it, it solves a problem, it pays a bill, it, it gives you a little extra cushion and there'd be a measure of joy that I think that that you would you would like. But what if I gave you five hundred dollars and I said, and then and this week, I want you to to meet a need with this money. Find someone who who you can help. And, and spend this money. Maybe find five, five people and, and, and spend $100 helping them out or find one person help them out with $500. But, but find a way to help someone, to meet a real need with this money. I bet after you help someone, you will find more joy in helping someone than you would in, in maybe a, a real joy of, of having some new clothes or getting that thing you've had your eye on or having some, some, some cushion in the bank account where those things might provide joy, I bet it would be a deeper joy if you were helping others. So I think you would be happier on giving than receiving. Better Is it more blessed to, to give than to receive? So in conclusion, be generous. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He gave himself away, you could say, to be happy. So may God bless us that we might give ourselves away to him by being a people who are deeply and joyfully generous. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you have given us so much. You gave us your son, and you give us so many of the little things that we overlook. You are a gracious and generous God. Would you help us? In light of who you are, in light of the gospel, in light of all these things we've looked at today, would you help us to be a generous people that we might have deep joy in doing so? In Jesus, in your name that we pray, amen.